0: Hey everyone, it's Tim. So many weeks back now, I posted on our Instagram account that we would soon be posting a new show, um, a show looking at the history of the old college try. So this is well-intentioned, a brainchild of my brother, Pat Highland, by the way. So thanks to Pat um, and me and Mike and Pat got together in late May <laughs> at this point, late May and had a great conversation. Um, a very long meandering conversation about the history of the podcast which is a very funny topic it's on the right anyway so my intention at that point was to have that show edited and posted in short order well in the meantime life has been quite simply quite busy so um, the show has not been posted but now as you know listening to this it is now posted so um, I apologize for the delay um again in my line of work right now things are very complicated so it's hard to find time to do things like podcasts um but i think you will enjoy the show i will say there was a a segment it's the news segment which is now of course very outdated but the news um, items discussed are relevant to you if you care about college football one other item i will say is me mike and pat managed to do an entire show. An hour plus of the history of this show, and somehow not mention um, Sound Guy Bobby. So, people who have been longtime listeners know that um, Bobby, my brother in law, was an instrumental person in the history of this podcast. There would be no podcast without Bobby. Bobby is the one who created our wonderful intros and our bumpers for gambling and the rest of it and also basically taught me and Mike who are like not great at technology how to do technology so thank you to Bobby and also congrats to Bobby on the birth of his new child Archer um so again I hope you'll enjoy the show I know this has been uh, delayed for a long time Um, But it's a very fun look back on how this show developed. And again, we've said many times, this podcast is not the most popular podcast in the world. And I hate using the word popular, but like our audience is small but mighty. And I know that many of you really do enjoy the show. And believe me, me and Mike and Bobby and everyone else involved in the show has always appreciated the fact that if you send us an email or text saying you enjoyed episode X or Y or Z, that means a lot to us. And we're just trying to share the enjoyment of this wonderful game that we all share. Finally, I know these are tough times. It's tough times for all of us. We've all had trials based on many things happening in um, the world right now and in our country and the rest of it. So um, I hope you and all your families are well, and let's hope we have some football this fall. If not, we'll still be here, and we will um, do shows and create content to hopefully give you an hour or so of um, normalcy when we can. So, of course, there's one thing to say, pachas. (laughs) 10, 15. Back upfield with the 35 to the 40. 45-50. Pass the 50. 35-40. Pass
1: the 30 to the 20.
0: This is the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Hyland. And joining me as always is my co-host, Mike Unger. The point of this show is an idea for my brother, Patrick Hyland Jr., who's going to be joining us for this show. Pat, you can say hi if you want. Hello, everybody. That's my brother, Pat. And Tim, um, joining us via Zoom for the first time ever. This is a first ever Zoom podcast. The first ever Zoom podcast, yeah. So Patrick um, had the idea of... <laughs> wanting to interview us about the history of the podcast. Now, this is fascinating to me because I never thought about the history of the podcast. And for him to probe our minds, Mike, about the history of this podcast, this is going to be fascinating, right?
2: I don't, I don't remember the history of the podcast. So this is a very <laughs> short
1: interview, right? But also, you're we're starved for content.
0: Yes, content. Yeah, Everyone wants content these yeah. <laughs> um, So we are going to do. Um, we are going to do. The history of the podcast later in the show. First, run down very quickly some quick news items, and there's uh, much in the news to discuss, obviously, Mike. Um, first of all, um, again, as your friend, as I said in the last podcast, how is your life lately? Like, what is your daily routine? What is your weekly routine?
2: My life is great. Uh, the weather has been terrific. Golf courses have reopened here in, uh, in Baltimore, so I'm playing a lot of golf. Enjoying my new house, grilling out a lot, sitting on the roof, smoking way too many cigars. I'm having, uh, I think, another first ever for the podcast, a gin and tonic. Oh, wow. Why? Rather than uh, rather than bourbon, it because we normally don't even do them in the summer. Of course, GT is a very summery drink. And may I recommend both a lime and a slice of cucumber?
0: In the- <laughs> delightful. That's- so life has been very good. Can't complain. How about for you, Timmy? Um, I think I told you the last time we talked, and it remains true, my days, every day is the same. I have fallen into it a, a precise routine
1: of every day, a single day. Every, every day is a Saturday, I was thinking.
0: Yes, every day is a Saturday. It's like, yeah, it truly is. Um, I think, you know, good days and bad days, and I think work has been um, up and down. The last five days have been definitely down. But... Um, we're getting by the kids are healthy that's all we can ask for um like, what's their boredom level um right now it's bad when they don't have school in the summer it's going to be super bad yeah no school or camp right right so pat how are your kids
1: doing uh, we bought a pool <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's going well so far
1: uh, so far so good it hasn't burst yet so right
0: it's going to be a long long summer i for many parents there's no question yeah. about it yes. um Now, turning to your guys next, we have much college football to talk about, but we are at the point now on June 3rd where we have had a somewhat measured return to some sports. And I think, if I'm not incorrect, the two sports we have right now are NASCAR and the Bundesliga. Yes. And I think both of you have partaked in both NASCAR and Bundesliga. I I'm think, wondering if you are enjoying either or both and what your thoughts are on the experience of watching sports under social condi- conditioning and no fans. Mike. I think the better term would be attempted to watch because
2: uh, I tuned into that first NASCAR race. First of all, it was a rain delay. That was a bad start. Yeah. Um, and second of all, one lap in, I was done with NASCAR. Why? It's just – it's, I hate to be sound ignorant and be stereotypical, but it's very boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the soccer the German soccer, I give a little bit of a, of a leg up, especially because of the great um, propaganda that you sent beforehand detailing the exciting offensive style of play. Um, very eerie at first, watching sports in an empty stadium. you can hear the echo. And I don't know if the German league has done this already, but I've heard other sports, they're going to be piping in crowd noise, at least for the TV audience.
0: They're already doing it. And they're also, the German teams are putting, um, stacking the stadium, all the seats full of sex dolls.
1: I heard about that.
0: Yes. And also they're exploring the idea of having monitors on seats where individual fans will log in to an app and their face be projected onto the seat and, and will they get the view from that uh, from
2: that perspective from that? Season? No, but
0: their their response to a play will happen in the stadium. Oh, that's not a bad idea, although it's a recipe
2: for all kinds of uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah.
2: yeah, but you know, I never I never realized how important that that crowd noise and crowd participation element would be to live sports. It's going to be the same deal. When the NBA is coming back, they just announced pretty much their plan is going to be voted on tomorrow, and it will include your Eastern Conference number nine seed Washington Wizards. <laughs> um, and that, that'll be interesting because, you know, you'll hear the squeak of the shoes and, you know, people calling out picks and, and
0: trash talk, and I think the NBA the NBA would be great families of all the sports so i will say again i as you might imagine guys you know i like soccer i have watched um an enormous amount of german soccer over the past uh, couple mm-hmm. of weeks to your point mike hearing the coach instruct the players mm-hmm. hearing the players um swear and the announcers having to apologize over and over again for like the swearing on the field like it's fascinating um I heard a game today, and it was like it was a relegation battle type game. And from the start, it was the most vicious, horrible game of soccer. It's like life and death, and you hear that like you hear it now, because you couldn't hear it before. Um, What language are the players swearing? They all speak different languages. That's what's also interesting about it.
1: So, uh,
0: Pat, have you watched any Bundesliga or NASCAR?
1: NASCAR is easier to watch without fans because the way the angles of the cameras are, you don't really get a sense of the crowd anyway. Right. Uh, Bundesliga just feels like it's a, it's like a rec league game. that just happens. Yes. To by professionals. I think the bigger the stadium,
2: the worse it's going to be without the fans. Like there's something really alluring to, to think about watching NBA players play in kind of a small gym in Orlando on the Disney world campus. I don't know exactly how big the gym is going to be, but it's not NBA size. I don't think. <laughs> Versus like a giant cavernous, can you imagine, you know, the big house or Beaver Stadium, 110,000 empty seats? I mean, that's going to seem almost like a scrimmage.
0: Right. So some – so Real Madrid, who's the biggest club in the world, they have said, like, they're not going to play their games at their stadium, which holds 100,000 people. They're going to do the training ground. why
2: Why don't Penn State go play in, like, what's the best high school stadium in central Pennsylvania? Why don't they go play their games there? That's, what, what, college what high school. Say college high school? Yeah, it definitely is. Down a the pit. <laughs> uh, that, that would be sweet. You know, the smaller – if you're going to play in empty stadiums, you might as well play in smaller so empty stadiums. In my
1: right. Opinion. The NFL played the 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 Pro Hall of Fame game, was was playing Canton forever on basically yeah. a high school field.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right, guys, uh, moving on now. College football news is not much of it. Um, some sad news. So, Mike, you told me today, I didn't realize, uh, Pat Dye, former Auburn coach, died. And former AD, correct?
2: Yeah, he, actually his tenure at Auburn kind of ended in scandal as, when he was AD. But he did a he did manage to kind of get himself back into the good graces of, of the school there. Um, interesting uh, um, obit in the New York Times about Pat Dye. He was an assistant, of course, for uh, – for Bear Bryant for nine seasons. And he was really the one instrumental in moving the Iron Bowl from Legion Field in, in Birmingham to a home and home on the two campuses because he felt it was a big advantage for Alabama to, uh, to play in Birmingham. And yet he got Bo Jackson from from the Birmingham area, which was, of
0: course, his, his big score. So he was
2: an interesting guy. He won um,
0: – did he win four SEC championships? I think so. And I think also, I get to your point – that moving the game out of Legion field was a huge yeah, deal, Huge it, it deal. Got, it got all – it elevated the entire Auburn program, I think. Uh, I think the first game was 1988, right? 89, yeah. Maybe. My, my yeah. And yeah. people, like Auburn people will tell you, like, what an emotion – because they had never had a home game against Alabama before yeah. that year. Yeah.
2: yeah. They were so, so
0: least, looked down upon as, like, the other school. It's, like, so right. funny to me. Right, right. And he also coached Iowa State – I thought was kind of interesting. I think every great coach needs to have a stop at Iowa State.
2: Yeah. It's like really the, it's a great place to, you know, go for a few years before you
0: uh before you improve. Do
1: you, you know what Timmy's connection is to Pat Thai?
0: Oh boy, what's this? I forget.
1: <laughs> well, Timmy's position coach in high school was uh, uh Von Weil. Yeah. He played for coach he played for Von Auburn. Von
0: Weil played at Auburn, yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, by the way, correction, Pat. I did not coach at Iowa State, but someone we will be talking about later in this podcast. <laughs> okay,
0: I conflated my. Fitness.
1: So Timmy, you didn't know you were getting SEC coaching. You didn't really know it at the time.
0: Right, I was very fortunate. Again, my high school team. I was my senior year. We had we had a great team, right, Pat? We were um, state semifinals, Division One. I. I we had five kickers in the roster. I was second string. <laughs> Mike, do you enjoy that? Um, yeah,
2: I always love second string kicker.
0: And uh, our coach, our kicking coach, was the Jim Von Weil, the former kicker, varsity kicker at Auburn. And he's a, a kid from, like, Canton who, like, randomly ended up at Auburn. And he had so many great stories about, like, trying to acclimate to go from Canton to Auburn. <laughs> it was fascinating. <laughs> well, uh, the Pat Dye stops before Auburn
2: as head coach. I just looked up where um, – and I read this earlier. I just confused it. Um, East Carolina, which you could see that a good stepping stone, but then Wyoming. Mm. Can you imagine Pat
0: dying in Wyoming? That's a weird fit. You know I think coach? I actually can. Like, yeah, like the South and like that weird part of the country is definitely like kind of the same, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. He seems like a tried and true Southern boy to me. <laughs> all right, another death. Uh, Johnny Majors, Mike. So to me, so we all know Johnny Majors as legendary coach at Tennessee and Pitt, of course. Um, I did not know until I read today, he was the Heisman runner-up to Paul Harding in 1956. (laughs) It's fascinating to me.
2: And it's funny, you say we all know him as the legendary coach of Tennessee and Pitt. It's true. But growing up, I mean, I associate him 100% with Tennessee because, you know, that was the era that we were coming of age. But, of course, he won his only national title uh, with Pitt in 1976. And he was the one who uh, started his
0: coaching career at Iowa State. Um, next news item, Notre Dame Navy, Mike, was supposed to be played in Dublin this year, which I think is a great, awesome thing. I would love to see a college football game in Dublin and see how the Irish people who are so great respond to college football. I just think it'd be fascinating Uh, because of, you know, global pandemic and stuff like that. Moved now to Annapolis. Now, in a typical situation, the idea of Notre Dame playing Navy at Marine Corps um, Navy Marine Corps Stadium would be like awesome. The question is, will will fun be allowed then, or no? <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Uh, well, first of all, that's the that's the first game of the year, or is that the first? Was it going to be the first game of the year in Dublin? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, by then, I don't I I don't know. I, I it's impossible and foolish to predict what's going to happen in two weeks, let alone two months. Um, but that that would be cool. I mean, that's like that'd be an interesting situation. I mean, if anyone. Could kind of force the the, the uh, naval academy could force all the midshipmen to go, force them to properly socially <laughs> distance and not interact at all, and not screw up the rules like everybody else in this country is doing. Then you could actually have a game with fans. Seems like it would be a little bit of a disadvantage to Notre Dame, though. Right. So
0: Patrick was there. Mike, I think you were there. Were you not there? So this is way back in the day. Random luck of just like circumstance. This was when I was working in Annapolis. Pat and my dad came down to watch a Navy game against TCU. TCU's star tailback at the time was who, Pat? Well, Danny and Tomlinson. Danny and Tomlinson. We saw him at Navy.
1: He, he ripped and, it up.
0: Right. Beyond that, though, oh, also, Mike, the coach was Charlie Weatherford. Remember him? Oh, yeah. He was a terrible coach. They were. Navy, so when, we were when you
2: were living in Annapolis and we were working in Annapolis, Navy was God awful. Just bad. Yeah, pre-Paul
0: what was the highlight of that game?
1: So I would encourage everybody to Google this. Just Google Navy TCU flyover. Um, it's a misnomer. It wasn't really a flyover. It was more of a fly through.
0: <laughs> fly
1: what? in. You fly, fly in. in. <laughs> we were at the top. We were at. We had very bad seats, at the top of the stadium, and we're we're looking up for that. I don't know if F-16 or whatever flew through. We're looking up, and the thing came below our eye level through the
2: stadium.
0: It was
1: crazy.
2: You always get a quality flyover at a Navy game. And
1: again,
0: my brother does not exaggerate. The the plane, we were sitting on um, the Navy sideline. The plane flew from one side of the stadium. He shut his engines off, dropped into the stadium, and then went full throttle. The roar was unbelievable. He was literally below our eye level. And the Navy players went absolutely bockers. It was their highlight for the day because they got crushed by TCU. Um, but by all counts, that guy lost his wings over that. It was like a total, like, not. It was like a Maverick move. What's from that? Top gun. Like Maverick from Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally it is, it I've never seen anything like it. And, like, again, I, we do not exaggerate. The plane was in the stadium. Google.
1: It's Google. <laughs> I will, Google. I
0: will certainly Google that. But what is it that makes a flyover so exciting at a sporting event?
2: Because I think it's amazing. I love it. I'm everyone I know loves it. It's really a highlight. But why is it? What is it that makes it so exciting?
1: It's things that are that big, going that fast, and still staying upright. And sounding the that
0: loud. I think set like 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 the like that sound when you power. Yeah, just like, oh, it's unbelievable. But maybe,
1: I like a flyover, but kind of the most eerie flyover is watching the the B two bomber lead off the Rose Parade, or the oh you know, yeah, this, this angel of death flying over the Rose Parade. It's just
2: I was going to say that but the, the, the stealth bomb. I saw the stealth bomber do a flyover at the Indy five hundred once, and it, first of all, it looks like it's going about ten miles an hour. Like this thing is going to fall out of the sky. It's not going <laughs> right. Um, but, it, you know, it's very,
0: uh, very, very exciting. Plus the I, have a sec- I have a second favorite flyover story. Um, I think Mike has been to Army-Navy before. Um, yeah. When I took Jack down to Philly, see Army-Navy, it was like probably four years ago, five years ago now. Um, it was an impromptu, not, not during like the official flyover, the, the Army did a Black Hawk flyover of the tailgating scene. And they oh. were like, maybe like, maybe 200 feet off the ground. That was awesome. Very intimidating too. They're big, big helicopters. And Tim, didn't didn't you see another Black Hawk fly over recently from your home studio? There? I think today, which I, I didn't want to know where it was going. I don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> 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 Guessing where it was going. <laughs> Philadelphia.
2: If they could be as responsible as Baltimore, they wouldn't need that kind of military interaction. Right.
0: All right. Moving on. Um, the big question. And Mike, by the way, I would, I would encourage you to uh, lean closer to your computer, please. Okay. Um, here's the question. So, I mean, me and Mike work in uh, higher education. So, we are, in theory, plugged into discussions happening about how we can feasibly return to anything resembling normal in the fall. Um, many schools, notably a and I think Notre Dame, has, Purdue, have put out pretty strong messaging that they're going to come back and they intend to play football, which, okay, we'll see. Um, No one knows the answer at this point. There's too much unknown. I think there's clearly going to be a financial and otherwise desire to bring football back in some way if we have widespread testing and the rest of it. Two-part question for both of you. I will let uh, Mike go first and Pat. Will college football return in any way? And if so, how will it look? I think college football will return, but I think
2: it, I think it very well could be like a conference-by-conference conference situation. Yeah. The Power Five conferences, especially the ones at the top with the most incentive to play, a.k.a. the ones that will be losing the most money if they don't do it, uh sec big 10 of course these these conferences will i mean you know maybe the pac 12 wouldn't you know a lot of this breaks down on where are the cases at the time what what, how are the political winds flying you know all these places are different so i think we'll see college football in some form but i'm
1: not sure which form yet but I, i think a lot of the smaller schools may not play what do you think pat I'm going to be non-political about this and scientific about it. <laughs> I think we'll know three weeks from now because you just had mass gatherings of people sure. across the country. Right. If there is not a spike, then that's scientific evidence that it's not going to spread much more. It's it's not going to be... Right, these, we'll see how that comes up. So if that many thousands of groups of people have gotten together and there has not been an appreciable spike... I think a lot of schools or conferences will go, well, that means we can probably play football and not, and not have problems. Um, I don't, I don't know if it'll be conference by conference. It may be school by school. I, I can see, you know, the whole, the whole Cal state system, right? Right. Like, well, they're not coming back. So that's what Fresno state and some of the other schools. So um, I don't know, but even like, I think some of the smaller schools, I'm, the, the colleges I work for um, you know, Man, those kids are—they're they're recruiting kids from across the country to play these little D three schools in Northeast Ohio. I'd um, be hard pressed to not play because they'll lose those kids. Right. That enrollments—that's important. Um,
0: and you think of a place. Let's be honest, a place like A and M. Okay, their athletics department is a probably close to 120 million dollar operation every single year, mm-hmm. and. of that money is football. Yeah. They need to play football. They do. Or you're talking about mass layoffs and like losing kids and the rest of it. People are going to try whatever they can to play. Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, uh, Pat, I I like your answer a lot. It was a great answer. Um, But unfortunately, I do think it's in all aspects of our society. Politics will come into play.
1: Oh well, I wasn't dismissing that. I was just saying, just yeah. all the all the, the, the protests and stuff like that will be a good, there'll be data being grabbed from that whether the the virus has continues to spread and it's spreading among primarily younger people. That's the people who made up that. Yeah, that's, true. that's be-
2: true. And also, don't forget, you know, Memorial Day. Um, you know, people there was a lot of people to, uh, doing
0: a lot of non-social distancing on Memorial Day weekend all across the country. I think, too, um, there will be lessons learned from these leagues in Europe who are starting up again. All right, so what are they seeing? And I will say, like, you know, knock on wood, Bundesliga has been playing now for three or four weeks, and there's not – they've managed it. Like, they're doing it well. Like, um, there's no way in hell we're having fans and stands. I think if we have widespread testing and contact tracing and the rest of it, I think we can actually have college football. And clearly, of course, it's like, you know, someone tests positive, they're out. They got to they gotta be out. Um, So based on the earlier – because I was very curious how it was going to be with, like, these leagues starting up again and how it was going to be. And, like, they're not seeing a spike because they're managing it well. So it's one small thing to look forward to. I think is a very a, a possibility of it. I think it gets a lot more complicated, though, for colleges. Um in terms of managing you can manage the kids when they're on campus at practice in class, you can't manage them on Friday
2: night or saturday night that's the issue always a challenge for the colleges and even
0: in the best of times of course. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> um all right, so we shall see um so the next part of this show, and this will be very fascinating so my brother Pat, who um Mike, I think we agree. Our our audience is very small, but very loyal. Is that true to say? <laughs> yeah, Both of those varies are true. <laughs> so Pat has been a loyal um, follower. And this goes back way back to 1999 when I started sending this stupid email every week to literally Pat and I think my five college friends, and my parents, and my sister, um, it was called the college football Athenium. I love the name Athenium. I thought it was kind of like intellectual and fun. Um, turned into a website and then it turned into a podcast and i met you along the way and pat thought it'd be fun to kind of uh explore how we ended up doing this podcast in the first place so now i will relinquish control of the show to pat he will now take control of the show so mike now you and i are the interviewees and Pat's in charge
2: you're gonna have to answer most of the questions because i'm not gonna remember anything (laughs)
1: Well, part of it's about your life, Mike. I'm going to try. Oh,
2: Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) I'm not sure how much of that I remember either.
1: (laughs) It was like, I'll be like Terry Gross, fresh air here. Um, Okay, I'll start with Timmy first, because the the origins of this were, which predates, Mike, you entering the scene. Um, Timmy, what is a maca saying?
0: (laughs) So I remember the term maca saying, and again, I think this was, Related to – like again, I used to send emails – this is very embarrassing – to you and Neil and – who else is on the email chain? My friend. So Neil, by the way, what is Neil's last name? Hunger. Hunger. Sure. I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm Not related.
0: Uh, Sife and all those guys. So, again, I would send emails about – we had this weird – email chain where I would like uh, email you guys if I saw someone who looked like someone who was famous, but wasn't that person like James Eha from <laughs> and whatnot. But the manga sayings, I, remind me, Pat, what was that?
1: I don't, I don't know. You just kind of, you created that. That was basically the, the, the genesis of your mass media was <laughs> the stuff on our, what the Alta Vista servers we Alta had. Alta
0: Vista. Yes. Or, yeah. or on stage.
1: So, so from that you were, you, you were collegiate football – oh, you're a collegiate writer to begin with Daily Collegiate at Penn State. Right. Um,
2: Curtis courtesiness like he was uh, Herschel Walker. Well,
1: well what, what was your first article about? Skiing. The Penn State yeah. skiing team. The Penn State <laughs> skiing
0: <laughs> Did they ski down Mount Nittany? <laughs> they skied somewhere oh. else. I have no idea. It was, it was a very painful article to write. It was very – <laughs> I, I wrote about
1: bowling and golf for the uh, – <laughs> So from there, you, so that you went through there and then you wrote, you, the, 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 another genesis of this was you wrote, you were, the, you were your senior year, you were awarded the, or rewarded or assigned the football beat for Penn's, the Daily Collegiate, correct?
0: Yes, it was a awesome. It was a great team that like wildly
1: underachieved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, 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 the you as writers or the football team?
0: No, 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 the football team. They were, they were, hold on one second. I can't do it right now. I, sitting over there at my table of my reading material, I have the 1997 Sports Illustrated um, College Football Preview Edition with Joe Jarevicius on the cover, and it's Penn State is number one in the country. They were, like, so talented. LeVar Arrington was a freshman in that team. Curtis Eames in that team. Brandon Short. Um, so many guys. Um and they, 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 they should have been so much better than they ended up being. They, they could have been a national title team. They ended up 9-3. I ended up going to see them play Florida against Spurrier in the Citrus Bowl. I've told Mike many, many times like, oh, yeah. um, what a riot Spurrier was in the press conference, like talking about how much oh, yeah. Penn State sucked. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he's like I love I I Paterno, but Penn State sucked. We could ask. <laughs> It was it was a truly a life changing experience. I, to me, I, I've said many many times, the greatest game I have ever seen is 1997 Ohio State Penn State. I think Ohio State was four, Penn State was two. The rosters were stacked. The game was unbelievably exciting. And then I, <laughs> so there was three of us covering the team. Two guys always went to the Penn State locker room to cover the post game. One guy went to the opposing locker room. I got the opposing locker room that game. I went to John Um Cooper's press conference. He was such a he was such a hick. Like such an absolute hick. He was sitting there. And this is back in like Beaver Stadium, Mike, you've been there too, right? It's it's a, a rector set, right? So the the visitors locker room is barely even concealed. It's just like kind of like back then it was just kind of like this weird like temporary room and there's this table elevated on this platform and it's like a, kind of like a, a picnic table so you can see everything and john cooper for the press conference took his shoes off and he was sitting there with his <laughs> socks <on. laughs> and he was so pissed so i talked to him he was not happy and then i, I had to interview andy katzenmoyer oh god he was deeply unhappy with the result of the game <laughs> didn't yeah. want to talk to me a 20-year-old kid, um, but, like, <laughs> that, was that cool. season was amazing. Again, the, that was
1: awesome. Did Morris, you just – did you like, try – one of our former teammates from high school was on that Ohio State team. Did you even try to talk to Vrabel?
0: Vrabel was not in the room that day. He was still, like, lowly freshman, or he was probably no, – No, no. older than you. Was he? Yes. He, he's younger than me, older than you. I can't even think of him, being, like, I can't even think of him being, having impact in that game. I remember David Boston and D. Miller were killing it. Um, Joe Germain was amazing in that game. Who was the other? Stanley Jackson was fantastic. Um, but the game that was, like, the most impactful for me as a person in college football was a few weeks later, Penn State was, at that point, number three. Michigan was one, I think, and that was the Charles Woodson team. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. Greasy, and I met Keith Jackson in the press box that day. Oh, that's cool. Couldn't have been a nicer man. He just like the nicest man in the world. Like, was asking us questions like he actually cared. I think he actually did care about us. And then Michigan <laughs> yeah. absolutely blew the doors off Penn State. Like that Michigan team was so, so good and the greatest. I remember I had to write the column the next day. Um, so Penn State lost 34-6, to six, and the only player, who sh- the only one who showed up was Curtis Enos, and he s- scored our only touchdown at the end of the game, um, and Keith Jackson's call was, there it is, Michigan 34, Curtis Enos 6, <laughs> and it was the most accurate call of all time, but like, I mean, the, yep. I, I'm so thankful for that experience, and even though it meant driving 13 hours to a game at Louisville and 14 hours to a game at Illinois, it was just what a wonderful, wonderful experience.
1: So, Mike, did you cover football for the Indiana student paper? No, just bowling and golf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had a guy who, uh, who he bowled. He bowled at, we had like a top three bowling team. I'll give you each a couple guesses as to who number one was. Um, and this guy, Brian Mano, he bowled three straight 300 games.
0: Is Akron number one?
2: No, Nebraska was number one. <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. And we had a really good golfer back then, too. Randy, I think, what was his name? Randy Lean. He was actually the low amateur at a U.S. Open with, where Tiger Woods was an amateur, too. And they went on to disparate careers. But uh, those were my journalistic highlights in college.
1: Did you write four years, Mike? Or, or just? No, that was just one year of work. <laughs> so, all right. So, you guys both. So, Mike, you're you're old. I think you're about my age. I think, or you're younger than me. I'm 44. Yeah, you're younger. Okay. So, you guys both graduate. You know. So, Timmy, go work for the Bucks County paper,
0: career well, Times. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Mike, how, where, how did you find your way to Annapolis, where all this, all the magic starts?
2: <laughs> uh, well, I'll take. I'll make it brief. But I, I took the summer off and was a tennis camp counselor per normal. Then I moved, then I took two months and drove cross country, which was the best two months of my life. And then I moved to Tampa with no job and played a lot of tennis and went in on the beach. And then I uh, got a little j- paper, a job at a little paper called the Carolwood news, making 18 grand writing articles, doing layout and taking photos for it. <laughs> nice.
1: um,
2: and I worked there for uh, a couple of years and then decided I had to move back home after Tampa. Tampa was a great place to be, uh, you know, a 20, 22, 23, 24 year old kid, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to be there too much longer after Wait, that. I have
0: to ask Mike too, like, so like why Tampa? And did, did you know anybody in Tampa at that point?
2: No, yeah, I moved down when there were two of my buddies. We We were just miserable after getting back from that trip with directionless, futureless. It was winter. We just wanted warm weather. We drove down there. We immediately eliminated Jacksonville. It was not even warm there. Never. Orlando and Miami weren't even in consideration because Orlando's in the landlocked. I don't know why anyone would live in a in a landlocked city in Florida. Um, Miami, not our style. So it was Tampa by process of elimination.
0: Nice.
1: All right. So you guys both end up at the Annapolis Capitol. Yeah, the capital. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Tim, you wrote about the Chesapeake Bay, correct? Well,
0: no. So let's, let's be clear here. So, like, we both started as as scrubs. Um, my first beat was the Severna Park beat. So, <laughs> imagine like being assigned like one suburb as your beat. And that's your like you have to find story every single day to write about.
2: Three stories a week on a, in a suburb where there is no place there. There's nothing happening there.
0: There's nothing happening. And Mike worked at the Maryland Gazette, which is like what the uh-huh. old paper in Maryland, right, Mike?
2: Yeah, then it, it was owned by the Capitol and then after like I don't know a year or something, I when I got your I got Tim's old beat when he moved up, I got the, the Severna Park beat. That's yeah, I moved, right. I,
0: moved, I moved I moved on to the uh the environmental beat, which was the best beat I ever had in my entire life. Boat rides out the ass, yeah. Boat I had, I rides the Chesapeake Bay was also. fantastic. Yeah, fantastic.
1: So you guys but how'd you guys so you met in the newsroom? We yeah, softball right, team. I sat right behind him.
0: No, no, we met in the softball team, Mike, because you Oh, okay,
1: yeah, 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 softball. So the, the
0: Gazette was different newsroom, so we met originally on the softball field. We played on Navy's campus. Remember that, Mike?
2: That was pre-9/11, where you could you could get <laughs> drunk uh, while playing softball at the Naval Academy and dr- sloppily drive around and drive off. No one checking anything. It was a different world back then.
0: And our softball team was like just straight ass. Remember, like, <laughs> yeah. We a how, bunch of journalism <laughs> A bunch of journalism, and our city editor—it's hard to explain. Our city editor, Stu, um, yeah, wore Kyle Luggett to the office, um, kept a gun in his boot, remember that, and had whiskey in his drawer. He was like this, the quintessential editor. He kind of looked like a young Dickie Betts. <laughs> he did. Absolutely yeah that, so then mike eventually came down and joined the uh capital newsroom and then you sat in front of me behind me no right right behind you one one seat behind looking at the back of your head the whole day
2: brian, was brian in front of
0: me or scott was in front of me
2: uh scott was next to me brian
1: was next to you
0: <laughs> newsrooms
1: <laughs> All right, so so it, during this time, the TCFA was started, you know, you call it the, the the Intelligent College Football Fan Newsletter, basically. And so how long – so those were sometimes long, long, long things. So,
2: <laughs> like these podcasts. <laughs> yeah.
1: So how long – I mean, what, what was the structure of it? Why did you start it? Um, Why did you keep doing it because you weren't getting paid for it?
0: I think for the most part, I started it because um, – I remember very vividly on my graduation day at Penn State, I was like, I don't feel like leaving college right now. College is pretty fun. <laughs> and I, I wanted to maintain a connection to my college experience. I think what's weird about me in Penn State is that when I was not covering the team and just a student there, I barely went to games. I, I, I care about the team, but I, just, I didn't want to go to the games. Like it was just like not part of what I did. But the moment I graduated and had to leave, it became like such an important part of my life. And I just felt like I needed to do something. So I started doing something.
1: So Mike, were you, were you an early recipient of the le- newsletter as well?
2: Uh, I'm not sure exactly when it started, but I definitely received some of those email versions. And I was very excited to get them. Cause as I said, this was pr- we didn't have the internet at our workstation. <laughs> there was nothing to do when you didn't have anything to do other than read the wire and you would read these, yes. these, these stories that were hideously boring. So I eagerly uh, awaited that newsletter, and I think it was a, a big reason why I got into college football.
1: Well, that's going to say. So I was going to say Mike's conversion, because Mike was not was more of a Redskins guy.
2: Yeah, I was growing up. The Redskins were just huge around me, and they were like a class franchise, and I, I, I loved them growing up
0: as a kid. So, Mike, yeah. I, I want to jump in there because, like, when I met you, like – Not to over exaggerate, but like it, it seemed like your greatest hero in the world was Joe Gibbs. It still is,
2: is probably. I love Joe Gibbs, and I remember the day in that newsroom in two thousand four. I think it was when it was the rumor started coming out that he was coming back. Um, Yeah, it was uh, Joe. I loved Joe Gibbs growing up. Joe Gibbs and Daryl Green were my two people that I just idolized, along with Cal Ripken,
1: of course. Those were like the big three. Um, So again, the letter went on for, for a few years and you did, you know, I spread around the guys in my office and that I think it, the important aspect of the TCFA letter was the guest picker. Right. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> I forget how that, do, do you remember how that got started? Cause that kind of, that cemented your core base.
0: <laughs> well, I was like, I was like, Oh, people actually read this thing. I should probably engage them. So they keep reading. It. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and again, it was like you, um, Joe Borgerson was, like, an early adopter, right? Um, Dan Hughes, obviously, right up there. Um, Michigan, Bob my, Michigan my, Bob, my my college friend Derek's uncle, who is the literally the biggest Michigan fan in the world. Hates Ohio State with a seething passion. Loves Michigan. He was early on as well. Um, and just to engage with people, again, it was, like, a stupid little thing. It was, like... There was 10 of us in that email at the start of it but to just engage and like share the love of this like weird weird bizarre sport because it is a weird bizarre sport it was so much fun
1: so then you wrote that for a series of years and then you know you had you know started having kids and it probably being very hard to write that thing it could be a laborious i i assume so that's where we get to the beginning of the podcast so one, what was the decision to create the podcast? And two, I'm assuming you had to think about, I'm not going to do this by myself. Who would I go ask to be the perfect partner for this thing? The perfect
0: partner. All right. So obviously, so Mike was not good enough to be invited to my wedding. Well, that was a question. I'll save that
1: for later. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so many other people were invited to my wedding, including my ex-girlfriend, which still cracks me up. Many college friends I'm not talking to since our wedding, like it's like bizarre, um, and all of our, all of our uh, Annapolis Capital friends were there too, except for Mike. Um, <laughs> so this is where like, I'm like, network. so um, I think we all know the the Solid Verbal was like the f- literally the first college football podcast. Like they got there first, and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's a podcast with college football, or the Bino and. Um, Ivan Uh, Mazilov. That was just like that was the absolute best, and I was like, "All right, like let's try doing a podcast." And if you know Mike, like Mike is a um, very engaging person, and also he's just like any place you go, he's the life of the party. And I'm like, "That'd be the perfect guy." Why your wedding (laughs) stuff? Perfect guy to to do the podcast. Um, So I proposed to him. I don't remember your response. I think you were kind of like lukewarm on the whole idea. Yeah like I remain lukewarm all these years later <laughs> but I do remember our first episode exactly where I saw, sat in our in our basement in our old house me trying to figure out the technology which is a trial every single time right? so year,
2: and year episode after episode year after year the technology fails us
0: constantly it's really so, draining so again the the first the start of the first puck was so awkward it was like I was like hi I'm Tim Hyland. Welcome to the TCFA podcast. And like, what killed me was like, Mike, who's never awkward, was so. In- I remember your response to this day. So I said, Hi, this is Tim Highland, host of the TCFA podcast. Here's my co host, Mike Unger. And Mike said, Hi, welcome to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You've got to splice in a- go through your files
2: and find a clip of that. Splice it in here. I've been trying to find it, like,
0: but it was you were like so like I don't know what to say. I have no idea. I, I
2: had no idea what I was
1: doing there. <laughs> no, so you figured it out. So, so with the podcast, you've reached a whole other group of people. I don't, I don't know your numbers. I don't know how many downloads you have or. or, or
2: the numbers are not available. That's why I like to keep it that way.
1: But so you've developed quite a following, uh, especially with the Clemson folks. I just, I just know through this podcast, I've never seen them. I have no idea who they are, but they, they seem to pester us when we talk too much Ohio football. <laughs> but tell me about the, the, the satisfying interactions or the, 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 the satisfaction is right, um, or pleasant surprises that have come up or engagements you have come up due to the podcast for either of you.
2: Didn't we get an email from a guy who uh, lived in Poland. Poland, that was awesome. He said that the two ways that he keeps in touch with college football, being in Poland, was ESPN College Game Day and our podcast. <laughs> I thought that was the, that was the that was the best compliment I've ever gotten.
0: The other one, and I'll never forget it. We were in Cleveland, in Ohio City. Oh yeah, and that guy came up to us and was like, "Tim and Mike." <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron was there Aaron was there and that guy's wife was there and she's yeah, like are you serious like they came to that bar to <laughs> we're see at great lakes weren't we great like lakes. that was mind-blowing and it's like again I, we understand our audience is very small and mighty but like to have someone come to a bar that we said we were going to be at that like the previous show and he was actually there and yeah you like, see us that was amazing that was amazing and
2: then of course we had nothing to talk to him about
0: and, him. <laughs> and he was like oh honey these are the guys from the pocket <laughs> he was like i don't care at
1: yeah <laughs> uh, so but you've like but you've gone on because of, you've gone on field trip you know you're i think you're let's say let's say major field trips and minor field trips you know, you did your your college tours. You've gone to all the different places, which has become a tradition. Um, but you've also gone on minor field trips, meaning the Boar zone. Talking about the <laughs> yeah, that was cool. going to Joe Borezyn's basement.
0: So, that Mike, that was cool. part oh, of that was mind. part of the my um, somewhat fumbled um, Ohio State planning trip, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike mm-hmm. was not a fan of going to the Ohio State Michigan game in November when it was – I think it was nine degrees the morning of the game.
2: It turned out great. It was an, it was an awesome experience. It was cold, but it wasn't – you know, it, it did warm up during the day, but it was a great going to Ohio State-Michigan game. The more – thing I wasn't the biggest fan of, although your parents are lovely people, like staying in your parents' house and like getting <laughs> up and having breakfast and, oh, thank you, Mrs. Highland. It just was a little bit of a different atmosphere than we're <laughs> normally uh,
0: at during these trips yes um i will say um i had seen pictures of the bore zone for years that was an impressive layout yeah carefully planned by clearly an engineer's mind oh
2: absolutely (laughs) the the, the highlight in my mind that i won't forget is he built wooden cases for televisions and he made them such that uh, you couldn't see the scroll on the bottom of the espn because he had such a disdain for that, and I, I really appreciate that. That was, like, during the day, the years where – I'm not sure if in these exact years, like, every time, you know, Brett Favre farted or something, it was going to be on that right. scroll. Yeah. Or, you know, every time LeBron James did anything. You know, it, it. they were obsessed for a while with just, like, you know, Tiger Woods, another – you know, Ty, It was one of always three athletes, and it got very annoying, and I, so I applauded his uh, his move to to cut that off. <laughs>
1: So where um where do you guys foresee the podcast going?
0: <laughs> well, first of all, I think our podcast is going to figure out a vaccine to this virus. We're going <laughs> to work on that. <laughs> I just honestly god, I'm like I was thinking the other day, I was like I'm so thankful that we have we see it all the time. This trip we do is just like the coolest thing. It's so much fun and it's been yeah. such an experience to see the country like We've gone places that we would have never otherwise gone. To me, every trip has been awesome. The Oregon one to me was like super special because I, I kept thinking like, why on earth would I otherwise be in Corvallis, Oregon? Like <laughs> there's no other reason. And what a great little place to go to, right? Yes. Like beautiful place. Um, we've seen so many great places places and met so many amazing people there's people that i'm friends with on facebook we met on these trips which is like how cool is that
2: um yeah yeah that's great especially you you're a little less kind of a a regular traveler than i am yeah although right now we travel the same amount of course
1: yeah
2: uh so this year's trip i think might have to be to your garage tim if there's uh (laughs) if, if there's football but no fans Right. Um, and as I said, I will be proud because I was planning really the trip of a lifetime. It wasn't our trip, but we were going to take an overnight train from Union Station in D.C. to Chicago and then party buses from Chicago to Notre Dame for the Notre Dame Clemson game.
0: That would have been amazing
2: that I'm not really I'm not ready to 100 percent rule it out. I mean, it's probably 95 percent ruled out, but that would have been an incredible, incredible feat. And Tim, you
0: were picking for us this year, right? Right. So I don't know if I told Pat, um, I was so excited. So like, I was trying very hard to match up, um, a mostly to, um, make Mike and Brian mad, a soccer and football trip. (laughs) So, um, I was like, Oh, like the obvious thing would be like to do something with like the Notre Dame Navy game in, um, Dublin and then like fly to whatever Liverpool or London. That would not have made me mad. I would have been (laughs) all in for that. And I was like, no, what I settled on, I had a whole combination. We were going to fly to Mexico City for a Club America game at the um, um, Stadio Azteca, which is the biggest stadium in Mexico, and then to a USC, UCLA game in Los Angeles. And, like, Brian's head would have exploded. Oh, my that. God. I,
2: that would have been unreal. Right. What month was that, would that have been? Uh September. Oh yeah, so it's not going to happen in September.
0: Nope. No. no. Well,
2: I applaud your thinking, and uh, hopefully you can. We'll, we'll give you a buy, and you can pick in 2021, and hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be back. But I encourage you. I'll take any
0: soccer that's international out of the country. I'll be thumbs up. <laughs> Here's a question. So, Pat, of our trips, our nine trips, which is the one? Which is the one place you would have most liked to see, or the most you'd be most curious to see what it's like?
1: You're not going to like this because you guys were not interested in it that much, I think, based on your reports, but, like, Air Force.
0: It was yeah. interesting. It was interesting. It was just, was just, cool. the,
1: cause the, just the campus and how remote it is and, the you know, um, I was really yeah, fascinated about Air Force.
0: Neat. You know,
2: it's neat driving on to the academy, um, and you see, you know, their iconic cathedral, and you see fighter jets up on uh, display. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you know,
0: the, uh, the cultural oh. contrast of Denver and Boulder versus the Springs, yeah. <laughs> it's night and day.
1: <laughs> yes. yes. So, I mean, but I'm, I'm more interested in like, you know, go, you guys going to, you know, yeah, like I was at a Yale-Harvard game. That was different.
2: Yeah, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, well, well we that's cool. I mean, but we're different.
2: starting to get to the point, if we keep doing this, and there is college football, uh, you know, we're going to start to hit some of I'd – be, I'd be interested to – there are a lot of um, – one double A programs that have great fan bases that I'd love to go to. Um, And things like Harvard, Yale. uh, Yeah. I think
0: I would love to go to some of those. To me, one of the most fascinating things is Amherst Williams with like, like how football survives at these supremely like, let's face it, liberal institutions. Like how are they still playing football? I've been telling, so Pat's been there, Mike, I've been telling you, I'm dead serious. Lehigh Lafayette is a riot. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's a great game, and people take it so incredibly seriously, and the party is like nothing else. Like Now, here's
2: a question for you guys. If there's no, if there's football with no fans, do you think people will still go to the parking lots and tailgate, and or, or there's some some stadiums where you can kind of see into the stadium without uh, being in a stadium, especially small places? I don't know if Lehigh is like that.
0: I think uh, what you can do is, like, you could, like, what restaurants are, like, we, our, our restaurants open up uh, on Friday, you could say, like, all right, come and tailgate with just your family, separate yeah. from other people. I think that could work, actually.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, people will do it. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. So, yeah, I think you guys should, like, come to, like, John Carroll Mountain Union. <laughs> is John yeah. Carroll
0: good enough to beat them now, though?
1: No, that that's the rivalry in the in the Ohio Athletic Conference or, you know um trying to think some other ones yeah those those kinds of things are like new hampshire versus maine or yeah yeah. Guard versus merchant marine like these little (laughs) festering things that only about 500 people care about but i'm sure it's intense care about
0: deeply yeah i I mean i always tell people again it's like um at lehigh if we lose that game R A D for the next like two weeks, his life is miserable. Like people <laughs> only want to win that they don't care about they want to win that game so yeah. badly. Pat, to your point about Mount Union, explain to Mike if you can what Mount Union football has been and, and currently is all about.
1: I just because I've been working on campus for the past over ten years and got to know a lot of the folks there, but you know, the football team's a hundred and over 100 kids. Which is amazing. For a D3 yeah. program, that's insane. Um, so they, don't,
2: they win like five or six titles in a row or something.
1: They've had over 10 – I think over 10 national championships starting in the early 90s. Um, and it's, it's kind of become a new cradle of coaches. Yeah. Um, like um, you're going to see uh, probably the next 20 years, you're going to see a proliferation of Mountain Union folks and leadership head coaching positions, I think, all across college football – and professional football, um, and I'm not saying that just I just based on the trajectory a lot of these guys have gone, and then I mean basically it seems like every other one of every three Ohio high school programs are led by Mount Union guys. So it's right. it's just that kind of football factory um, and very intense, very loyal uh, based, and they built it. You know, recruiting kids from northeast Ohio. So um, it's good. It's good fertile ground um, for a lot of football intelligence. (laughs) Great
2: interview, Pat. Thanks.
1: Uh, One more thing. So the, um, who, besides me, who have been guests on the podcast?
0: Um, so (laughs) the definite highlight of the show was Andy Staples agreeing to come on the show. Was a big highlight. That was great. Yeah, he was. Uh, I couldn't do it for that that week for some reason. Right, uh, Mike Felder. I love Mike Felder. Um, Adam Kramer, Kegs and Eggs was on there. David Jones. I've I've been. He he's offered many times. Like he's just such a great guy, and he's like seeing everything. Risks see seeing comfortable. He keeps like saying like anytime we'll do it. Um, but yeah, having any staples take his time to come on our show was. I couldn't
1: believe he actually agreed to do it. Like, I'm yeah, serious, other things to do.
2: Uh, he was engaged.
1: What's that, Mike?
2: Yeah,
1: you just said something.
2: Oh, I, I, he was engaged. He was into it. Like, yeah. he didn't just uh, you know give one-word answers. He was, uh, he was, he was, he was getting engaged.
0: And Mike I will say too, like one of the biggest things in the um, the relative popularity of this podcast. Um, I wrote something in the immediate wake of the Jerry Sandusky thing at Penn State, and um, Staples retweeted it, um, Scott Van Pelt retweeted it, and all of a sudden, like, people knew who I was, and it was, like, a weird thing to be, like, in the public about, but, like, I look back on that thing, and what a um, what a crazy time that was for Penn State, and I remember remember like, so Staples read it and liked it and shared it. And then we were like um, communicating via like Twitter messaging or whatever. And I was like, Andy, like I, you know, like my whole faith in this institution that I love so much is like totally shaken. And, you know, I, what's my next, like I, my family's life is so much shaped around like watching Penn State football. And he was like, this is what, this was 11, 2011, I think. Right he's like tim he's like you know i went to florida i played for florida and i love florida but i've enjoyed the game so much more when i've put that behind me and go go to other places like see other places and enjoy the game for what it is in these different places and that was a a a large origin of like why we decided or why i thought it would be fun to do these trips because it was like you know, there's other places to see, and um, it's been just a – I think it's a blessing to have seen these places, honestly.
2: Note note that his advice was not get into soccer.
1: <laughs> or F1.
0: F1, by the way, starting up in July. F1 starting in July.
2: Nice. See, I'll watch that.
1: Yeah. I think that was a good place to end it with your yeah. soliloquy right there.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. It's been a lot of fun. All right. So I have to do like, like closing here. Uh, so Mike and Pat, it's been a fun show looking back on the history of this uh, massive podcast. And as always, there's one thing to say, Pat, go first.
1: Pachas.
0: Mike. Pachas. All right. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to the TCFA Podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligentcollegefootball.com.